Welcome back to another exciting episode of Comply or Die. I'm your, your local friendly and familiar host, Kyle. And today, as always, we've got a, a thought leader and an expert in the compliance industry and from a security aspect, Moshe Faber. Thank you so much, firstly, Moshe, for taking the time out of your busy day to join us and to have a nice conversation around compliance and security and all things related. So before we jump into any questions, just for the listeners, a bit of background and information. Who is this wonderful man we have on the show with us today? A few quick points, an entrepreneur, investor, industry speaker, and thought leader. The list is really long, I'm going to admit that. So we've tried to summarize some key points, and I'll let Moshe take the lead if he wants to add anything in. Cloud security specialist with over 20 years experience in information security, uh, has a strong focus on working on the next generation of cybersecurity solutions, which we'll absolutely unpack in a few moments' time. Um, and he's also served as a high-ranking manager in some really large corporations, as well as being involved with some innovative startups um, over, over the time. And finally, cannot leave it out that he's a man with an MBA in business. Moshe, thank you again for making the time. Welcome to the show. Is there anything else you'd like to add in? Thank you very much, Kyle. Happy to be here. Uh, really excited on uh, uh, being on the uh, Comply or Die uh, podcast. So thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward for our conversation. Um, just to uh, tie things up. Um, so in the last, uh, I've been 20 years in financial security, but the last 10 years I've been focusing, actually it's been 13 years already, focusing on uh, cloud computing. Why? Uh, I'm based in Israel. We have a lot of startups. A lot of startups are based on cloud. And uh, I realized that there's a lot of thought leadership knowledge uh, missing around this area about uh, 10 years ago. And um, if you ever heard about a CCSK from the Cloud Security Alliance or CCSP from IC Square or CCAK from Ansaka, I was involved in building, shaping, and writing some of the materials for those uh, for those uh, certifications. So this is basically what I do in the last uh, 10 years, developing knowledge around cloud security and cloud computing. And I'm happy to talk about it and share my experience on this. Thank you, Moshe. I feel like you, you summarized and took some incredibly huge projects and developments and involvements and summarized that into just this Short little 10 second bite. This is uh, just by the way, I've been doing these things over the last 13 years, developing and being a part of all of these. Let's unpack a couple of those straight away. Thought leader, cloud security that you spoke about specifically. Mm -hmm. Firstly, let's tackle it one at a time. The interest for cloud security. So identifying a gap within it. What, what sort of got or sparked that interest from your side? That you wanted to dive into that when i started well from my experience when i started with cloud computing which is about was about 13 years ago i'm coming from a security background so cloud was like stuff that real cyber people don't do you know and I, when i my start my first startup was built on top of cloud computing when i went to the uh, to the large enterprises went to, when i been, went to my friends at the banks and told them okay i have something to show you and look at this infrastructure interesting some of them didn't even took my phone, took to pick up the phone. Some of them told me, okay, it sounds nice, but I don't think this infrastructure cloud computing is very uh, suitable for us. It uh, maybe for some of a smaller organization, but we are proud of ourselves. So I realized that there's some kind of a contradiction here. I was very fascinated by the opportunities of uh, cloud computing. It is, uh, I thought it, is, it gave me amazing opportunities. I think it gave to the software industry amazing opportunities. Me as a startup, I was able to build enterprise-grade infrastructure. We, before that, I, I was imagining things and telling my customers stories, which they didn't believe, but 
cloud gave me an opportunity to build a real enterprise level uh, infrastructure, which was, I found it's amazing. And this was really, um, it was really painful getting those cold shoulders from my colleagues at the banks and the mm -hmm. governments and the enterprises. So this is thought leadership as far, as far as I'm concerned. What I did is step up on the, and I went to every conference. First of all, I learned the material. Yeah, I went to every cloud conference and I listened and I got my own opinion on things. And then I spoke up and I said, okay, I understand your fear of the cloud. I understand there are breaches there. This is the, but as security professionals, we also need to look at the advantages, not only the problems, I mean, every technology has, if we look at the mobile phones from security perspective, they are awful devices, but the benefits they provide are huge. So what my thought leadership around cloud was, okay, I understand your uh, problems, I understand your concerns, I understand the risk. Now let's look at the benefits because this is something that security guys don't often do. They don't look at the benefit because this is not the roles. They're not the developers, they're not the DevOps, they don't have the, the business motivation. They need to protect stuff. But when you start waiving the benefits of the cloud and the fact that you can build something that is enterprise level and you have most of the controls not in your responsibility, then you start to realize, then you can really balance between your opportunities and your risk, and then you can really get an informed decision. So this is what I did for the first, I think, five or six years in the last decade with cloud adoption growing. I can say now, hopefully, 10 years later, I am the, the guys that come to my lectures and come to my classes are now from the highly regulated industries, companies that I didn't thought would ever adopt cloud, um, government, uh, homeland security, armies. Um, so, yeah, it's been a fascinating journey leading this, uh, leading this effort. And I'm very happy. The fact that today cloud is like the new normal. I mean, you don't say when, you, when, you're, when you're not using the cloud, then you need to explain yourself and not the other way around. Amazing. And what a what a journey that's been. And, and, and you started touching on there, but enjoyable to be a part of. But at the same time, it must be hugely rewarding and, and satisfying. I mean, the, this journey that you've gone through and these people that were resistant to change and tried to push it away and didn't want this to be a part of their everyday life. Mm -hmm. So now, like you said, it, it's the norm. And I, I suppose the earlier you were able to get people to adopt into that, the, the smoother the transition is now with growing technologies. And one thing I found very interesting that I'd love to pick your brain a little bit more about here is people being so resistant to new technologies. I mean, I, I know typically people say no to something unfamiliar and if it's working and it's achieving its goal, why change? Was that pretty much the main reason people said, no, no, we don't need this? Or were there other trends that you saw? Yeah, well, first of all, there's, there's always the fear from new technology. We see this around uh, mobile computing. We see this around the cloud. We see this around a, a, a blockchain. On every new technology that uh, that emerged, there's always um, the security risks that come with new technology. And it takes us also today with AI. Yeah, so everybody talks about AI risk, uh, artificial intelligence. Again, they're very worried about the technology. But again, you need to worry. To, you need to wait again the benefits of it, uh, the operational benefits and the security benefits. Okay, so yes, yeah, so AI can be dangerous, and and uh, and people will start to program their uh, their own malware and don't need to even to know code. But yeah, but we also have an AI that can help us to protect. So there are two sides for that. Uh, so we can also adopt it in order to get get better uh, security posture. Um, so, uh, bottom line, I think that most security uh, professionals fail when they look at the benefits of the technology. Because when you only, only look at the risk, 
it's always frightening. Absolutely. Yeah, I think balance is a, a great way to sum that up. And if we talk a little bit about that adoption and the implementation side, obviously you've worked with organizations and people mm -hmm. at various maturities of their businesses, if we can call it that. So tackling maybe the first one, an organization pretty mature, let's talk five, seven years ago, that is now starting that process of migrating to the cloud. Okay. Apart from the, the fear of the unknown, what were the challenges for them? How did they sort of facilitate that process? What did it look like? Okay, so the first thing would be breaking the world cloud into different services because different services have different security concerns, different uh, security features, different uh, risks, different uh, mitigation controls. So in cloud computing, there are basically two types of services. I develop my software on top of somebody, el inf somebody else's infrastructure, and technically we call it infrastructure and platform as a service, IaaS and PaaS. This is where I coming with my own software, I develop my own software on somebody else's infrastructure. Second type of services is software as a service. This is where somebody else is building the software and now consuming it. Two different services, two different security considerations, different vendors, uh, different uh, security controls, uh, different risk, very different uh, environments. Organizations will adopt the two of them, but they need to adopt different approaches for two, these two types of services. For infrastructure as a service or platform as a service, you will probably pick one provider. There is a very small list of providers. It's not huge list. There are like seven large ones and maybe 50 other smaller ones. So the question is not choosing your provider, but when you choose it, how do you board it correctly? Those platforms are complicated. They have a very steep learning curve. Most of their security responsibility is on you as a customer. And if a security breach would happen, 95% probability, this is because you made a mistake. This is, uh, the, the cloud is a shared responsibility in infrastructure and platform as a service. This is your responsibility as a customer. So my advice for you, uh, infrastructure and platform as a service guys, pick a provider, hopefully one of the large ones. After you do that, don't look sideways. Don't invest a lot of time in the, in the selection process because they might be other providers. Once you decide it, you go all in. You instruct your people, you do lectures, education, you build the right infrastructure, take the best advisors, you focus on this. Software as a service is a totally different story. Software as a service, you will have many providers, lots of them. A regular enterprise will have between 50 to 250 different providers. In software as a service, there's a big variety in the market and not all providers are born equal. Some of them are very professional, mature, understand the cloud, invest a lot of money in that. Some of them are, I'm sorry to say, mom and pop shops, very small software company that don't understand the cloud. Somebody told me that the cloud is the next new thing, software as a service is a mandatory, so now there are cloud providers, okay? But they have no idea about risk management, running software scale, patch management, incident management, everything that the large enterprise needs to know. So in software as a service, your challenge, the organization challenge is to separate between the good guys, the bad guys, uh, not the good guys, the bad guys, the mature and not mature, which is more rightly said, um, the guys that know their business or and separate them between the guys that, doesn't know, that don't understand business and pick your right partner. And this is, by the way, since the topic of uh, here uh, is always compliance, this is where compliance can help you. I'm choosing this provider 
not because he's compliant to SOC 2. I'm choosing it because his compliance portfolio, portfolio shows me that he understands the business. He understands the different tweaks. Not because uh, I think that if he takes SOC 2, that's okay. Everything is solved. But when he got the right compliance scheme, I understand that he understands at least the business, the market, his customer needs. So this gives me an indication that I can move on and uh, talk to this guy. Uh, so this is, again, uh, get with, uh, uh, an entry point to our comp compliance conversation, but also summarize the different challenges that cloud, uh, cloud services gives to the enterprise. So for anyone listening, this is the point where you pause the video or the audio and you go back and you take notes and you make sure that you implement that, taking it from a seasoned professional who's done this, who's paid the school fees. And that's how you get the, the successful implementation with as least hassle as possible going the right way from the get-go. Thanks, Moshe. That was a, an absolute golden nugget, as I, as I like to call it. Um, and, and one really important thing that I, I see on a day-to-day -day basis in our line of work as well is that shared responsibility model that you spoke about and the misconception around it where customers will think in, in various different ways that they operate, oh no, if I'm using this cloud provider or that tool and they are compliant, I'm using their tool, which means I don't need to do anything. And obviously the, the gap in understanding from that side, from firstly, what they actually need for their product, their organization as a whole, but the other side being the review of what that cloud provider is sort of uh, providing to them what they need to be doing to sort of uh, address and adhere to that shared responsibility model. Um, in, anything else from, from that perspective you want to add on to that topic? I will add a couple of things. So yeah, the cloud is a shared responsibility between the customer and the provider. As the provider needs to do a couple of things. The customer needs to do a couple of things. If you want to detect a mature cloud provider, look at his shared responsibility, and then you will see the list. One advice for the real world, okay? The shared responsibility is not, doesn't, is not two sides. Sometimes you have a software integrator, uh, uh, sorry, system integrator that builds your cloud environment. Some of the responsibility goes to him. Sometimes you have a software company that develops the software that you install on top of the cloud provider that uh, on, on the environment that the cloud integrator built for you. So now we have the customer, we have the cloud integrator, we have the software provider, and we have the provider. So the shared responsibility model is not a two-dimensional, it's four-dimensional uh, table with different topics go to each, uh, to each organization. And this is where you get the, your coverage because the two-dimensional uh, shared responsibility model doesn't really work in real life. There you have it. Four-dimensional shared responsibility model. Amazing. Thank you, Moshe. So to, to carry on this compliance conversation now, um, I, was, I was actually on a flight recently and when I was looking at topics and what I wanted to go through today as well in, in our discussion, it was one that I looked at and thought, this is actually just really interesting and I think we can pull some compliance into it because we're talking about the security world. So the, there's a, a movie that's recently come out, Billion Dollar Heist. I don't know if you, you have or haven't seen it. And basically it's around the story and it, it's not new. It actually was from 2016, the, the heist, uh, the central bank of Bangladesh and the Federal Reserve Bank in New York. And essentially it was this attempt to steal a billion dollars that didn't quite work out as planned. I think they ended up getting 60, 80, 80 odd million. And the final transaction sort of got blocked due to a spelling error of foundation in one of the, mm -hmm. the, the transaction names. And it got me thinking, looking at it, firstly, the world of, of cloud computing, of information security that we live in. I mean, 
think about someone trying to, or even having the idea to steal not even a billion dollars, $10 million in actual cash, it would probably be quite obvious leaving with a truck and bags full of this actual money versus cyber crimes and someone doing a transaction that's just numeric values on a system and being able to bypass processes to actually facilitate a transaction happening. And it got me thinking, and it's something I want to put to you, attacks and sort of cyber crimes. Um, I mean, it, it's in a world, the, the level and complexity of these are maturing every single day. How do you counter them? Do you think something like this could have been avoided? Um, what does it make you think about basically when you hear this well, topic? Well, it's, it's a big topic. So um, I'll say a couple of words of it and then I send uh, the, our listeners to a further reading. We released, uh, we uh, the Cloud Security Alliance, I haven't mentioned them, but I, I, uh, I manage the local chapter for the Cloud Security Alliance, uh, which is a, a non-profit that is basically building um, security best practices for cloud computing. We released um, a document about cloud attack vector just about uh, three uh, in late, late June, uh, so three or four months ago. Attack vectors. Let's talk about this for a second. When you, when you, If you Google uh, cloud risk or cloud threats, you get a big, big list and a lot of frameworks that talk about risk and threats and uh, what can happen to your data and sometimes it gets lost and sometimes you, they delete it and you get ransomware, so there's a lot of threats. But when you try to narrow it down, it will all end up with very few attack vectors that are actually used. Okay, so we have a threat. We have a the threat, uh, the threat actor is uh, utilizing a vulnerability, which is done through an attack vector just to organize the sequence. So we managed to map uh, in total nine attack vectors that are used in infrastructure and platform as a service. Um, attacks in the last uh, in, in over 200 different attacks that we analyzed okay so a lot of risk a lot of attack but when you analyze the actual the, the, the door that they went through the window that they broke there's only nine of them and it's usually down to regular IT hygiene nothing new that I can say here even if the cloud is innovating and stuff like this so, but it's down to making sure your users are working correctly, making sure your data is encrypted, check where you keep the keys. So we are done. Basically, when we talk about the actual vectors, it's very close to a narrow list. Okay. So uh, educate yourself, take a look at this list. Take, uh, we, I think we did, again, I'm talking for, uh, about myself, but I think we did good work there. We, we mapped the different vectors to different controls from the Cloud Security Alliance. We, we mapped it into different um, uh, attack uh, um, techniques from Mitra. Okay, so it can really uh, do, uh, it can give you a good sense of how to protect infrastructure and platform as a service uh, environments. And summarizing that into two nine scenarios or vectors like you said almost makes cybersecurity sound manageable which is something that as we say in this ever complex and increasingly more complex on a daily basis um somewhat manageable to to keep tabs on things um so moving on with that Moshe, i think you started talking about it already the cloud security alliance the israeli chapter of it i know this is something very close to you as well something really important um, tell us a bit more about how, firstly, how you got involved with it um, and how that role is, has evolved and what it looks like for you now. Okay, so um, going back to what I uh, described in the beginning, um, 
when I understand that cloud is has a lot of benefits, I was looking who are the thought leaders, where are the most important conference around it, so I can educate myself. And I found a small organization, it was small at the time, it was called the Cloud Security Alliance or the CSA, um, created by industry veterans. It has uh, three uh, headquarters, uh, one in the United States, one in the EU, and one in uh, Singapore and for APAC. And it's basically based, it has a small core of uh, uh, people that uh, work with a lot of volunteers like me around the world to produce best practices, research, um, education, uh, certification, uh, knowledge, and everything around it. So if you want more interested in cloud security, go to the cloudsecurityalliance.org uh, website. All the research, all the knowledge over there is free. The only thing that costs money are the actual classes of certification and the exam certification. But other than that, you will find research on every new technology, key management, Kubernetes, serverless, um, everything is available there for free and for everybody to use. So this is our contribution to the community. Amazing. And I, I can say honestly from my side, it's it's a resource I'm subscribed and engaged with. I, I get the post updates. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I need to plug it from my side. Someone that's interested and, and wants to improve their knowledge and understanding of, of the topics, feel free, reach out, have a look at the CSA. And looking at risk management and compliance, two terms, similar, somewhat of an overlap, somewhat of a separation. What do these terms mean to you? Well, basically, uh, part of my risk management um, is analyzing uh, what risk my organization should uh, um, should deal with, and, uh, and then I'm finding mitigating controls. Compliance can help me in uh, setting up those, uh, uh, finding out which controls I need to implement and define them, but also get the management attention. It is very hard to get management attention for an event that happened in a in this bank in Brazil I had this and this 10 years ago. Now go over there and convince your management to give you budget in order for that not to happen. Compliance can help you in doing that. Um, can compliance can help you in getting the management attention? Uh, it can get you... Um, it can get you the right uh, tools and the right uh, and the budget that you need in order to do so. Um, with that said, compliance has its own set of problems. Yeah, sometimes it forces you to uh, focus on the wrong things. So I think the security officer needs to take this compliance requirements and adopt it to his business. Luckily, regulators around the world today understand that they need to give the uh, business guideline, um, sorry, uh, an ability to uh, to do his own risk management and not give him just guidelines. Do this. They need to verify that sure. they're doing good risk management. If they will do risk management, they will probably be compliant to um, to uh, most of the things that you need. Other than that, um, com compliance is comprehensed as a. a Sometimes it's, it comprehends as a, as a burden, okay? Um, I need to comply to that, it's not related. So again, it's a very wrong view of the things. First of all, it helps you to get budget. Second, mm -hmm. compliance could be a business enabler. If I'm a startup and I need to sell uh, to a specific industry in the United States, I need to be compliant with all the requirements. So without that, I will not be able to sell. Compliance can also be a business advantage. Let's say that my competitor is compliant to SOC 2. Myself, I can comply to SOC 2, but also ISO 2017 and uh, 2718, which has more advanced and new standards for cloud security. Over here, now I'm getting business advantage. 
on, on my competitors, which is something great because security never comprehended that something that gives you security advantage. Usually it gives you uh, uh, business disadvantages. Now in the world today, I can use the security uh, compliance that my, uh, that my company is doing and say, I'm better than the others. I'm better than my competitors. And this is why I'm uh, not against compliance. I'm very much for it and also recognize the opportunities in complying to the right standard. Other than that, it's not such a big burden because in the end, most of the regulations, I think they have 90% overlapping between them. Okay, so I, once I comply to, some, to X, it's very easy to comply to Z, Y, or T. And maybe one thing to add in from that business enablement, competitive advantage or business advantage and, and value. Um, and, and I mean, you, you covered that part already, but rolling out the, the risk management, like you said, to actually mitigate problems within a business, help drive better processes to enforce better security, um, industry standard practices, uh, obviously gives gives good value at the end of the day. And it's actually, I, I mean, I was, I was smiling as you, as you were mentioning a few things. I was, I was fortunate to find myself at the, the SASTOC um, conference and convention in the, in the past week. And exactly like you said, that business enablement side, and some of the startups know it, no matter how early on they are, um, three people and their dog in the business to 50, 100 employees, some people know, and you'll speak to them and they say, yes, absolutely. This is one of the key focuses for us. Like you mentioned, budget is always the tough topic. Once you get the approval for that, it makes things a whole lot easier. Um, but you also have some people that are very rigid in their mindset. Um, and you'll have that same conversation with them and they say, no, we don't need compliance. And, and you'll try and probe that a bit more. And, but why do you not need it? No, well, it's, it's not relevant to us. You've gone through and you've got a SaaS product and you've got something that absolutely would need compliance. Um, and sort of the stance that, okay, well, if we don't have it, they can go to the competitor, which comes exactly back to the point you just mentioned, that business enablement. You've got the same product. Someone is compliant. Well, it's a no-brainer. Are you going to go for the one that's been externally validated as being secure or the one that sort of has this attitude that, no, everything is fine? Um, yeah, really, yeah. really cool. Um, I, I, I will say one word about it just to make sure. It's, it's, I want to... Um, Make sure that I'm getting it right. It's not that if organization has stock two, if my uh, if a startup has stock two, I'm saying okay, you are now good, you're qualified. Take my data. If yeah. they don't have stock two, I will not even talk to them. If they have stock two, okay, now I'm ready to talk and listen. How do you protect my data? This is what's important. So compliance is like the uh, the ground base on top of that that we build. Uh, the entire conversation between supplier and uh, between customer and provider, supplier and the business. That's it. And in, in this modern, fast paced, super quickly evolving world, do you believe it's possible to have a successful business? Maybe successful is the wrong word here, but without having compliance as a focus. If you just say, okay, we're not going to pursue an ISO or a SOC process, but we're going to build good security standards. Do you think it's possible to do that as a, a small startup company? Only if you're targeting uh, not organization, regular people. Regular people don't care about compliance. But if you're targeting business to business enterprises, uh, you need some kind of compliance in there. Um, again, depends on the business, but business will not share his data with anyone else unless he sees some kind of assurance. 
And building on what, what you just said about startups, I see startups today that hire their CISO, their security officer, before they hire the IT guys. Okay, so uh, security before even IT. And this is really change in the market. Sure. And, and that shift, we, we see it often as well. It changes that foundational level that you've already mentioned. You've got a company now that instead of starting and having to change all their processes to meet a requirement, like you said, is a burden, is a pain, it's time consuming, and it's quite rigid. You can build and have this enablement to say, this is our product. This is what we need to do to be secure. Where's that middle ground to give the value to what we're trying to build, but at the same time ensure we have security and safety? I think it just makes everything a little bit a little bit better further down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think, I mean, Moshe, we've gone through, and I, I wanted to have a little segment at the end for any golden nuggets and any tips and tricks. I think if there aren't a list of 15 things someone could take away from this call, they probably won't pay too much attention. Um, is, is there anything else you'd like to add in? Maybe just some, some closing words, really free open platform, anything we've spoken about. Well, uh, we all like to talk about innovative stuff and new tools and stuff like this. I'm, I'm repeating what I just said. Everything in the end goes down to regular, clean IT hygiene. Okay. So if you build your workstations correctly and you build your office network correctly and you build your uh, firewall correctly, then probably you know how to build correctly your other services. But if you neglect, you know, the, the very foundations that everything relies on, your workstation, your networking, then everything else will be a disaster. So always start, even though it's boring and it's it's a pain in the, you know where to uh, deal with uh, wireless networks and access point and workstations. It's uh, people prefer you know to protect the Kubernetes, but in the end it's all down to regular IT hygiene. And this is where compliance is um, at the at the best because compliance is not worried about new technology and stuff like this. It focuses on regular IT directions. And it's helped us to stay in line. So keep it simple. Focus on the basics. Build your way up from there. And mm. you, you should limit those problems as far as possible by keeping that in place. Moshe, thank you so much. Um, your, your time has been invaluable today. Uh, I, th- I think I could sit and, and chat to you for, for hours on end here about compliance and, and just pick your brain about everything. But really, thank you for making the time to talk to us. For everyone listening on this podcast, I hope you've got some really good takeaways maybe just from an interest perspective, maybe you can use this to help build your, your company, get compliant or, or something you were unsure of that's now being clarified on this call. So if it's been as valuable for you as it's been for us today, thank you. And thanks, Moshe. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. Hope you gained some uh, insights from this. Uh, you can follow me on uh, LinkedIn, on Twitter. You can go to the Cloud Security Alliance website and uh, check all the research that we're uh, having. Um, uh, keep in touch. Thanks, Moshe. Thank you.